Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> so, made it through the first day. <clears throat> I bow to you. First day is uh, often not such a, a fun experience. You might have come here saying, oh, wow, I'm going to chill out and just meditate. Um, maybe you knew better than that. Um, this is not easy, particularly as we start, even if you've been doing it for years and years. Um, as I said, there's uh, some common... Uh, challenges the first day. Let's just take a, a little uh, reality check here. How many people have been sleepy today? Okay, look around. You've got a little company. Uh, how about uh, restless? <coughs> okay. <coughs> how about uh, aches in the body? All right. And uh, how about busy mind? <laughs> We're doing great. <laughs> We're right on schedule. Isn't that good to know? One, that you're not alone. Uh, and two, that uh, that's just the natural part of the process. It takes a few days to land here in the present moment. And... Um, Believe me, we all are for, uh, all three of us are for people having a, a, a positive experience. Um, so we, it's not like we like to put people through difficulties, but that's just a part of the package. As I said in, uh, in the groups today, it's like you're in a, a detox program. And particularly, you're detoxing from stimuli and uh, all the busyness of your life. You come here and you're told, okay, now sit still for 45 minutes or so. <clears throat> Watch your mind. Not always a very pleasant show. Uh, or try to pay attention. Uh, now walk a certain way, walk slowly, back and forth. Yes, it's going to be fun. Uh -huh. And now um, sleep in a bed that uh, you've either never been here before or uh, perhaps you're with a roommate that you've never met before. Uh, now eat very mindfully. Don't distract yourself. And uh, enjoy. <laughs> it's almost... Guaranteed to bring up resistance as well as frustration. And the um, general question that floats through people's minds, uh, if you haven't done this before particularly, even if you have, it's a common question. What am I doing here? <laughs> or what was I thinking? <laughs> So if this has come to your consciousness, uh, it's really fine. I want to talk tonight on what we're doing here, why we're doing it, and uh, some of the, the basic attitudes um, to do this, how to do this in a spirit that is both uh, supportive and... Um, uh, enriching of the experience. <clears throat> so first, um, what we're doing here. want to remind you, probably you are uh, familiar before you signed up on the retreat. Oh, a mindfulness retreat, an insight meditation retreat. This is about uh, being here for our experience. That's what it's about. It's about being present for your life and learning in this very um, 
structured way how to do that, particularly how to cultivate this quality of mindfulness, which as um, uh, Sharda was saying last night in the Satipatthana Sutta, that the Buddha said is the way to freedom. At the beginning of the Satipatthana Sutta, a discourse on mindfulness upon which all of Buddhist meditation is based, the Buddha starts out, there is a most direct way, sometimes translated as, there is a most wonderful way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, grief, despair, end pain and anxiety, and realize the highest happiness possible. That is the establishment of mindfulness. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That's, it's amazing how this simple quality of mind and heart has the capacity to diminish all the, the pain and anxiety in our hearts and our minds and lead to the highest happiness. It does. It does with the support of of other qualities of heart that get cultivated along the way. But of all the mental factors in um, that we are dealt with, in, in Buddhist psychology there are 52 mental factors. And these are qualities of mind or qualities of heart. And if, if it seems a little cerebral for you, you can just translate them as, uh, as qualities of heart. Uh, different mind states and, and uh, uh, mind qualities that we are all given in this life. Some of them are positive. Some of them are um, negative. Some of them are neither positive or negative. Um, wholesome states like love, compassion, equanimity, patience, um, all of those wonderful things. Unwholesome states or states that cause suffering, greed, hatred, delusion, envy, uh, jealousy, confusion. Um, you know those, right? Of all of the those factors the one fa- there's one factor that weakens all the unwholesome states and strengthens all the wholesome states and that's mindfulness it's pretty amazing and how amazing it is that just cultivate the uh, cultivating this simple quality where you don't have to uh, worry about how it's going am i doing it right will i get there you just keep on cultivating mindfulness and miraculously it keeps on taking you to right where you want to go. Not if you're looking on the outside and saying, well, is it working? Am I there yet? No, that, then that gets in the way. But to just completely, wholeheartedly give yourself to practicing mindfulness, it works. It wor- that's why we're up here sharing this because it's touched us all so deeply. It's transformed my life, I can say. I think I, I mentioned uh, in one of the groups, no, maybe I didn't. When I first got into this practice, I was in a lot of pain and uh, an inner turmoil. Very insecure, very shy, very... Um, um, uh, uncomfortable in my own skin. Uh, and when I first was exposed to the, the practice in uh, summer of 1974, the first year at Naropa, uh, what was then Naropa Institute, now Naropa University, and I heard Joseph Goldstein, my teacher, speak, and he was saying it's possible to not be run by your neurotic thoughts. Had never before entertained that possibility. But there was something in the way he said it and the way he explained it and the way he was that I trusted. And he wasn't so different from me. But I knew, he knew something that I didn't. And I, if he said it's possible, I'm going to go for it. 
And so if you have a lot of pain in your life and in your heart and your, your mind, uh, don't discount or think, oh, well, no, I, I could never do that. You might be more motivated than the person next to you to really go for it. It is possible. It works. I want to explain a little bit of um, what it is and then uh, why, uh, how it works as well as the, those attitudes, if I can get this all in. So first, this quality of mindfulness is very simple, just knowing what's actually here right now. It is seeing things just as they are. That's the definition for the word vipassana. If you come on a Vipassana retreat, it might be good to know what that means. You know? And it simply means seeing things clearly, just seeing things as they are. So if you're tired, oh, tired. If you're excited, excited. If you're um, in discomfort, oh, um, tightness or, uh, or pressure or pain or whatever it is. If you're feeling love or joy, oh, this is joy. And it's just calling it like it is, just seeing things for how they are, not embellishing them, making them better than they are, not making them worse than they are. You know, if I have to sit another five minutes, I'm going to die. I just know. It's just, oh, it's kind of difficult right now. It's enough. To just call it as it is aligns you with the truth. So seeing things clearly from your, as best as you can from your own vantage point. Being here in the present, which is not where a lot of people spend a lot of time. Have you noticed how much your mind has toppled forward to the future gosh I wonder if I'm going to last for five days here is this going to get any better tomorrow or hey now it this is very cool and I is it going to get even better or what did I leave at home oh did I leave the stove on or my job that's been undone or toppling forward into the future thinking about the past whether it's yesterday or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or lost in fantasy. And every now and then you might notice, oh, breathing, that's what's going on. Oh, here I am uh, sitting in a hall. Oh, we're meditating, this is what's going on. And maybe you kind of just touch into being here, being present, and it seems so fleeting. This is learning more and more to come right into direct experience with your life. Because this is where it's happening. Everything else is secondhand. This is where true connection is to be found. This is where love and clarity and wisdom and aliveness is to be found right here in this moment. So seeing things clearly, being here in the present, noticing as you try to pay attention, noticing how things change all the time. Have you noticed how many different moods have you had today? Maybe you've had one mood. It's been... But probably you had a few. Uh, How many different thoughts have you had today? How many different sensations have you had? Countless. And this is what the meditation reveals over and over, everything is continually changing. As you're practicing, keep that in mind. Just keep on noticing that, how everything is changing. In one moment, there you are feeling the breath, and then you notice, oh, the mind got lost in thought. And then you might notice, oh, and there's a sound. Oh, and here's a sensation. Oh, and here's a feeling. Oh, and here's another thought, and here's a sensation, and here's the breath. Don't think you're doing it wrong because all of those things are happening. Actually, you're seeing how it all works. Everything is continually changing. 
where we've started out with being with the breath just so we have some kind of anchor in the middle of that changing experience. Ah, yes, coming back to the breath. Here it is. But when you see for yourself how everything is changing, it's not just a line that you read in a book. When you have the direct experience that everything is changing and that becomes the, the new reference point through which to see life, then no matter how bad it gets, when you know everything is changing, you can feel comfort in the fact you're not going to be stuck here. You will laugh again. You will smile again. This mood will go faster than you can imagine as long as you're not battling it. And no matter how good it gets, no matter what sweet meditation, oh my God, I fell into nirvana. How about that? You know, Cool, going to be clear sailing from now on. Sorry, folks. Everything changes. So it's so freeing to realize you're not trying to get anything to happen because no matter what you get, whatever magically you can open up to, it's going to change. So no point in trying hard to acquire and attain and, and get a gold star in your mind. It's all changing. And with that, you can be more open to the flow, here for the show. It's not about getting to some peak experience. This is about learning to be here for the ride. And so you can learn to be here for the ride in your life as well. So, seeing things clearly. And again, as you're meditating, as you're practicing, simply just noticing, oh, what's actually happening right now? Noticing um, uh, being in the present instead of the past and the future. Just, oh, what's happening now? Noticing how things change. And as well, the fourth aspect that I'll mention is noticing without getting caught in your judgments about how you'd like things to be. This is easier said than done because if you happen to be here in the present, there's usually a running comment about this being a good moment or a bad moment. Cool, okay, life is cooperating right now. Oh gosh, if I were running the universe, I'd do a much better job than this. This is not so cool. We have a, a tremendous propensity to comment and judge our experience. And so the key, what this is sometimes called, mindfulness is sometimes called, is a non-judging awareness. Easier said than done. As I said, we have a, a, a tendency to judge anything. And then if you realize, oh, I'm not supposed to judge, what happens then? You know. Oh, that was judging. Oh, shoot, I'm not supposed to judge. Oh, I just did it again. There's no way out of that. It's just one judge after another. And then you begin judging the judging and judging the fact that you're judging an infinite regression of judgment. Here's the trick. Don't judge the judging. As soon as you see, oh, and there's judging in the mind and aren't frustrated by it, but just see, oh, this is another thing that's happening, just like a sound or like a, uh, a sensation. Oh, and here's judging in the mind. Oh, that's the next thing to be mindful of. No problem at all. So that's basically what we're doing, bringing a non-judging awareness to any aspect of our experience. We start out with the breath, but we'll be opening up, and breath in the body, we'll be opening up to all the physical sensations and the experience of hearing and feeling emotions and noticing the thought process. 
so that we're heading in the direction of nothing being outside of our mindfulness field. But it's helpful to start with just the basic anchor into the present. Okay, so now, what good comes of this? Maybe my fantasies are a lot more enjoyable than sitting here and watching an ache in my shoulder. Why should I do this? Well, I mentioned a little bit before that mindfulness weakens all the unwholesome states and cultivates all the wholesome states, but uh, let's have some direct understanding of how that works. So the first thing that happens, the first insight, in case you were worried that you wouldn't get an insight. You're on a five-day retreat of insight meditation and oh my God, what if I don't have an insight? Okay. Here's the first insight that most everybody can realize and understand. The mind is completely out of control. <laughs> have you seen that? Great, you had an insight. Okay. Don't take it personally. The mind has a mind of its own. The mind will go anywhere, particularly the places that you're afraid of it going. Mm. You sit here, trying to mind your own business, feel your breath, and you are everywhere else. Past, future, fantasy, wherever. Mm. it's humbling, isn't it? Unless you see, oh, this is how the mind works. Because as you start to see, oh, the mind just goes all over the place, then this is the next insight. If you get this, this is a big leap from the first to the second, but this will be a big gift to yourself. If your mind is out of your, it sounds like it's bad news. Oh my God, my mind is out of control. It's actually great news. Why is it great news? Because then you don't have to blame yourself for what comes through your mind. It's just doing its own thing. Do you say, I could go for some doubt right now. No, it just comes. How about some aversion, intense aversion, really intense aversion? Oh yeah, that'll make me feel better, right? No, it just comes all on its own. If you had control over your mind, you'd only probably have thoughts of blessing everyone you meet and all humanity with your unconditional love. Probably a few other thoughts slip in from time to time. And when you see the mind is out of your control, you don't have to take it personally. You don't have to take it seriously. Then you can see it's just doing its thing and you don't need to take ownership of your thoughts. How freeing my Uh, Our teacher, Joseph Goldstein, has a great instruction. I've always loved this instruction. He says, if you're sitting in a meditation hall and you're bothered by your thoughts, just imagine they're coming from the person behind you. (laughs) It makes it so simple, you know. Well, I hope he calms down a bit, you know. Your thoughts just come all by themselves. And you don't have to blame yourself for the troubling ones. You don't have to take credit for the good ones. Hey, I hope everybody sees what a holy person I am. That was a really good thought. (laughs) It just comes. It comes and goes. And as you get that sense that your mind is just doing its own thing, And you see, oh, there's an awareness that can notice this. Notice this whole dance of mental activity. Then 
you have a bit more choice which thoughts you want to empower when you're in your life. But if you sit here and there's the thoughts, beautiful thoughts, ugly thoughts, crazy thoughts, thoughts from first grade, all over the place, just coming and going, and you're just sitting here, the space of awareness in which they're all occurring, the more you can train not to jump on the thought train as each thought that comes by, which is what we usually do, we have a happy thought, we feel happy. We have a disturbing thought, we get disturbed. We usually believe every thought that comes through. And as you train yourself to just see, these thoughts are just coming through and there's an awareness that can see. An awareness that can hold all of your experience. Then you have a bit more choice in your life which thoughts to empower and which thoughts to, uh, to just let come and go. That's an amazing gift. And you can feel the difference. You can subtly and slowly feel the difference. The thoughts that feel supportive, there's an ease and an openness. Those are those wholesome thoughts the thoughts that feel contracted and agitate the mind probably are coming from fear and confusion. And to see that you have that choice is huge. Not that you can choose any thought that comes and make a thought happen. Sure, you can think about something, but not that you can make a thought happen um, or have a wholesome, uh, just have wholesome thoughts, but the, the other ones that come through, you just see as part of the mind. The, the thoughts are not the enemy. We often have this idea, thoughts are the enemy. And if I could just get rid of my thoughts, I'd be doing fine. I, when I first started doing this stuff, I had this image that maybe if I was doing it right, it would be like this giant vacuum cleaner comes and just sucks all the thoughts out and I'd be blank. Don't wait for that to happen. It's not how it works. You don't have to get rid of anything. Just see thought for what it is as another manifestation. And there's some beautiful thoughts. This, this building was somebody's thought. You know, this whole retreat center was somebody's thought. A, a number of people's thought. You know, your coming here was a good thought. I think, you know, I hope you think, you know, by the, in a few days. So that's one thing, seeing that you don't have to blame yourself for the thoughts and that you can train yourself to see all of those thoughts are just coming and going and you can give energy and empower the ones that really speak to you, that really serve you. Another thing that happens, why we're doing this, the more you start to understand how this works in here, the more compassion you have for the human predicament. And you see, oh, I'm trying to do the best I can and this mind just can go anywhere. Mm. That calls for a lot of compassion and love for ourselves as we're trying to do the best we can. And the more you can understand this one and be kind to yourself, which I'll talk about in a little while, the more you can understand you are exploring the human experience for all of us. I was saying in one of the groups, uh, this line I love by the Buddha, he says, in this fathom-long body, the whole of life is revealed. The whole of the Dharma is revealed. Suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, the path leading to the end of suffering, all in here, if you examine 
and explore this mind and body. It's like this is the laboratory you've been given to understand the human experience or the human predicament or the human blessing. And the more you understand this one, the more you can understand what we all share. And in that, a few things happen. First of all, you don't feel so alone and you don't take it quite so personally and you feel a connection with everybody around you. Because you see, when somebody else is lost in their stories, you know what that's like. Oh yeah, I know what it's like to get lost in my story, my mind. And they're just lost in their reality. And when you can change it from, oh, look at my mind, to, oh, look at the mind. Look at how the mind works. Not just my mind, but the mind. Then there's a sense of connection with everybody. And from that connection and understanding, there's the barriers are lifted. And that's what we could say true loving kindness is. And the more you open up and take a look at reality as it is, then life reveals itself to you. So this is a direct path to wisdom. Oh, I see Everything is changing. I see it for myself. Oh, I see that holding on to changing experience is a setup for suffering. Oh, I see that I am this changing experience as well. I'm not as solid as I thought. And one other thing that I'll just mention now, we could spend the whole retreat on all the benefits of this is that as you more and more find the capacity to be here in the middle of any experience which is what you're learning to do whether it's an itch on your face or a pain in your heart or ecstatic bliss or boredom or calm when you're here for it all you develop a connection to this peace that has been inside all along. This purity of heart, this presence, this uh, luminosity, as it's sometimes called, that is who you really are when the mind isn't caught in confusion. Here's... uh, Here's the Buddha. Luminous is this mind, brightly shining, but it is colored by the attachments that visit it. This unlearned people do not really understand and do not cultivate the mind. Luminous is this mind, brightly shining, and it is free of the attachments that visit it. This, the noble follower of the way, really understands. And so for them, there is cultivation of this mind and heart. That's who you are. Or from Huang Po, he says, your true nature is something never lost to you, even in moments of delusion, nor is it gained at the moment of enlightenment. Hmm. So, That's a bit of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Now I'd like to talk uh, a bit about um, the attitudes that you might find most supportive in doing this practice. The basic practice is being here as best you can in the moment. And you will probably, you've probably noticed, it's not so easy. It can get frustrating, it can get um, discouraging, it can be 
not measure up to your idea of what is supposed to be happening. If you are trying to make something happen, it's a setup for suffering. It's so simple. My basic instruction, and what I, I think I'll, I'll talk about now for a while, is basically whatever is happening, asking myself, what's happening now? Letting it be how it is, if I can, if I can hold it with some kind of balance, and then opening to it with a relaxed, interested, kind awareness. I want to talk a bit about those three qualities. Relaxed, interested, kind awareness. You don't have much control over what's happening out there, but you do have some say and cultivation in how you relate to what your experience is. So first, relaxed. You know, that word has been used a few times so far. Shard has mentioned it, and I think Howie's mentioned it. This is not cheating. This is a very profound um, exercise that we're doing. And basically, the more you show up, the more the practice will deepen and become rich. So, in this relaxed, interested, and kind awareness, this is said in the context of being willing to be here as best you can. Because that wholeheartedness is really the key to developing mindfulness. Continuity of attention is really how the mindfulness develops. And at the beginning, it's hard to just get here. One Tibetan master, uh, I, I remember him giving a talk, he said, meditation sometimes feels like manual labor. You know, just kind of bringing yourself back again and again. He also said, it can feel like one insult after another. So it's hard to get here. But if you make the effort to be here and keep on coming back, then the mindfulness gets stronger. I think Howie was saying this uh, before. When the mindfulness gets stronger, you see more. When you see more, it's more interesting. When it becomes more interesting, you want to be, a pr be present. You want to pay attention. Oh, cool. The present moment is very cool. It's a very good place to be. It takes a little practice getting here. But once you're here, it's like, oh, this is pretty amazing. Even if it's an unpleasant moment. Uh, actually, while I think about it, and before I get into those qualities, I, I did this in one of the groups just to give you a sense of how mindfulness works. Okay, and um, a very simple exercise. Put your hand out in front of you right now. Okay. Some some of you did this in my group, and just slowly move it back and forth. And as you do, close your eyes as you continue doing this. Right now, is there any confusion? Any fear? Any worry? You just feel the movement. Any tomorrow or yesterday? It's just feeling the movement. Okay, you can open your eyes. Congratulations, you were just mindful. It's that simple. And in that moment, you're not lost in your stories. And you don't need to add something to make it a better moment or take anything away to make it a better moment. It's just a complete connection and balance with what's here. Whether that's the breath 
or a sound or a sensation or a feeling or a thought or whatever, you can have that same presence. Oh, this is what's happening. And the more moments of mindfulness, as they build on each other, there's a certain momentum that gets developed. And so if you can see that the moment of brushing your teeth is just as sacred an act as sitting here in the hall and feeling your breath, then the whole day becomes a meditation. Then um, washing your face or going to the bathroom or having a cup of tea or uh, looking at a lizard or whatever, it's all just the next moment to be present for. And in that moment-to-moment development of mindfulness, that's how the momentum gets built. So there's a wholeheartedness that comes, that develops in a richer practice. And there's got to be an ease and a lightness to it. Because otherwise this can get very serious. You know, you're doing the walking meditation and it feels like, you know, you're kind of maybe village of the damned or something like that. Or what did I get myself into, you know? You get no extra credit for grimness. You are not cultivating grimness here. Somebody said in the in the uh, group, God, it seems like everybody's so solemn, you know. And the first day certainly isn't a joyous day for many people. But you can look very serious on the outside and inside be radiating loving kindness. In fact, I would encourage you actually to sit with a, a, a bit of a smile on your face, like Thich Nhat Hanh suggests, like the Buddha's half si- smile, or walk with a smile. But you don't have to. You don't have to force it. Actually, it's sometimes good to force it, just because it it feels. Put a stupid smile on your face right now. Just try it. Right. Try it. That can have its value too, you know, <laughs> especially if it breaks the spell of being so heavy. But it's not like you've got to try to be happy all the time. Just a lightness of heart. Just a little spaciousness. And this is where this relaxed attitude comes in. Because actually, as you're relaxed, then you can see more clearly. When you can be at ease, it's much easier to pay attention. Mm-hmm. If you want to, uh, if concentration is, is interesting to you, it's not something that you can make happen, but it's important to know that relaxation is the foundation for concentration. That if you're trying very hard to be concentrated, you might get focused for a little while, but it's, it's very, very difficult to sustain Actually, relaxation comes, out, uh, concentration comes out of a, an ease of mind that then you can see more clearly because you're interested, not because you're trying hard. Relaxation. Relaxation doesn't mean laziness either. You might think, oh, hey, relaxing? He just said the right thing. I think I like that. Okay, I'll just kind of lay back and if I'm mindful, I'm mindful. If I'm not, I'm not. It's not going to happen. No. This does take intention to be here, but it's not a tight struggle. It's just a willingness to show up. And if you have a tendency to uh, evaluate how you're doing, often we can mistake evaluating our effort by what it looks like. Oh, I'm really clear now, so I must be doing it right. Oh, I'm really um, getting a whole lot of uh, disturbance now, so I must be doing it wrong. This is a misunderstanding of practice. You can actually have some very deep, profound states of... um, of awakening in the middle of fear and terror 
and loathing and disgust. These are the names of some very high states of practice. Mm. So it doesn't mean anything. It's more, how am I relating to it? And if you can have an ease where you're not so tight, then um, you see that your effort is not to be judged by what it looks like out there, but the sincerity that you bring to the moment. Just your willingness to be here. That's your secret ingredient, your own sincerity to show up as best you can. Sincerity of heart. Mm. This is from a a great uh, Tibetan master. Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already here in relaxation and letting go. Don't strain yourself. Let the game happen on its own, springing up and falling back without changing anything, and all will vanish and reappear without end. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable, you exhaust yourself in vain. As soon as you relax this grasping, space is here, open, inviting, and comfortable. So this relaxation means you have to kind of tune in to see what is needed. If you're getting really tight, what is needed to bring a little bit more space inside? This once a one Tibetan master who came and gave a, a talk down at Monday night. This is a number of years ago. And uh, people uh, told me about the talk and said, he, he said that he could sum up the whole of the Dharma in two words. I listened to the talk. You know, I said, okay, I want to hear this. And, he, and as he said, the whole of practice can be summed up in two words. Got everybody's attention. Okay, two words I can handle. Be spacious. That's what he said. Be spacious. Because in that spaciousness, then you can see more clearly. Everything becomes revealed. And you're not trying, over trying to make something happen. You can relax and trust and see what's unfolding. So, it does take effort to come here, but then to just not over effort. Mm. It's a great uh, understanding that you don't have control over how concentrated or mindful you are, but you do have control over the willingness to be here or the willingness to come back. Mm -mm. And I'll mention this here. This is such a key that in... Doing this practice, the key moment as I see it is the moment that you realize you've wandered. There's not much you can do about it while you're gone. You're gone. Five seconds, five minutes, 15 minutes, gone. Okay. But when you realize you've been gone, how you relate to that, if you beat yourself up and say, oh, damn it, there I am, gone again. You're just cultivating frustration and discouragement. But if you see, ah, I'm back, how wonderful. And then you bring yourself back with a lot of kindness and patience. That's the cultivation. So you don't have to put pressure on yourself to stay riding the breath like a bucking bronco. Just do your best. And when you see you've gone, come on back. It's that simple. Relaxation also means you're not figuring out. This is not about analysis. This is not about how can I outsmart my mind or where did this come from and why am I thinking this? Have you seen the tendency of your mind to try to figure things out? It's, uh, it's amazing. This is from somebody on their first retreat many years ago who was giving herself a really hard time And uh, I kept on saying, you don't have to figure it out. And then she wrote this beautiful note uh, at at the end. She said, 
the one thing that is indelibly in my mind is finally getting you don't have to figure it out. That would never have registered as an option before. Just today when I was doing walking meditation, struggling as my thoughts were going round and round, those words came into my mind. I stopped and closed my eyes and I asked myself, what is true right now in this moment? Instead of figuring out. And what was true was the rising and falling of my breath and various body sensations coming and going and the rest will balance itself out in its own time, I thought to myself. And I resumed my walking. What a revelation. It's just letting go of the, of the figuring out and seeing, oh, what's here right now? Ah, it's all here. So this is the first thing, a relaxed and getting a sense of when you're getting tight and doing whatever is supportive for that. You know, it, it, how he was mentioning about the walking meditation and going back and forth. And that is a beautiful way to do the walking. It's very powerful. And as he said, you know, I, I love doing walking meditation in, in that style. But it might not be the right time and the right way for you to do it in any particular period. You might need to go for a walk. If you feel the walls are closing in on you, this is a signal you, not, you might need to get a little bit more space. And if you go for a mindful walk and do it to support your practice because you need a little bit of space, that's fine. You might need a cup of tea to just relax. Five cups of tea is a little bit much if you're doing every walking period then that's more escape. But if it's, oh, I'm getting a little bit tight here, I just need to, uh, to regroup. Or if you're getting a little bit lax and lazy, well, okay, I think uh, I'll just kind of cruise in here. You might need to say, hey, I need that wholehearted effort. It's just a matter of showing up. So it's a balance of, of effort. But relaxation is a key. Second one, interested, an interested awareness. The whole of this practice is about, I shouldn't say the whole, but the one of the main, the most powerful attitudes of practice is just the thrill of discovering of learning, of exploring. We're born to explore. We're born to discover. It's such a deep part of our practice, of of our life. And in the factors of awakening, investigation, the natural curiosity is a key, is one of the seven factors of enlightenment. Letting yourself become interested in what's happening Letting your natural curiosity, your awe, your wonder, wow, life is happening right now. You bring that to the moment. Sometimes I I think of myself, I play a little game. uh, And I also think that in that relaxation, making your practice like a game helps a lot. Rather than, oh, let's let's just see how present I can be instead of, oh, I got to be present now. And sometimes I play the game, I'm an alien that's just come into this body and I'm reporting back to the mothership. Oh, this is what breathing is like for these guys. You know. Oh, this is what freaking out is like for these guys. You know. You know. Just having that curiosity. I, I've mentioned this before. I have a, a, a birthday card at home that I've never sent because it's so precious. And it's of this infant who is cross-eyed looking at a booger right out of his nose, right? And there he is, like, fascinated. It's a real picture, actually. And you open it up, and it says, um, you were always easy to entertain. Happy birthday. That's the attitude we've all come in with Oh, what is going on here? 
How interesting. And that's how you bring yourself into the moment. Not because you're trying to be a good meditator, but just for the amazement. You are alive. Have you ever contemplated that? How did you get here? You're alive. Life is happening right through you, right now. That can take you very deep. Oh my goodness, I'm alive. What does it mean? What is this moment of life here? What does it mean to breathe? What does it mean to take a step? What does it mean to feel sorrow or sadness or love or joy? The interest is how you get here. And it might take a little mm, kind of pretending that it's interesting at the beginning. But the more you pretend and bring yourself here, the stronger the mindfulness gets and the more interesting everything does get. So relaxed, interested, and kind awareness. This kind awareness is really the foundation for that lightness of heart. This can be, as I said, one insult after another. If you take it personally, it's going to be very discouraging. But if you see, oh, this is just what the mind does. This is how the mind gets lost. This is suffering. Suffering is a part of life. This is Kristen Neff's uh, self-compassion practice. Where, In fact, you might just try this. Put your hand on your heart. Say you're going through a really hard time. Put your hand on your heart and you might close your eyes and just say to yourself, this is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life. May I hold my suffering with compassion and kindness. Just let yourself feel that. Okay, you can open your eyes. That's how you can hold your experience, particularly when you're getting caught. But kindness, this kind awareness, I often say our practice is kind awareness or loving presence. That kindness is a kind of friendliness with the moment. Uh, we do the loving kindness practice to hold our uh, mindfulness practice. It's a kind awareness, a friendliness with the moment. And when the moment is beautiful, a friendliness for it being here and for when it goes to when the moment is difficult, a compassion for the, the, the challenge of it. This is a kind awareness. So, what we're doing, being present in a very non-judgmental way, why we're doing it, it frees us in so many ways and opens our heart opens our mind and wakes us up to a place of peace inside. And how to do it, what's happening now, letting it be as it is and opening to it with a relaxed, interested and kind awareness. I'll close with a, a poem that um, I love, kind of describes the practice in a nutshell. Uh, from uh, Dana Falls, my favorite poet. This is called Walk Slowly. It only takes a reminder to breathe, a moment to be still, and just like that, something in me settles, softens, makes space for imperfection. The harsh voice of judgment drops to a whisper, and re I remember again that life isn't a relay race, that we will all cross the finish line, that waking up to life is what we were born for. 
as many times as I forget, catch myself charging forward without even knowing where I'm going, that many times I can make the choice to stop, to breathe, and be, and walk slowly into the mystery. So let's sit for just a moment. Stop, breathe, and be, and walk slowly into the mystery. Thank you for your attention. Take about half an hour for walking and come back for one last sitting. Um, And please uh, do come back. We'll do... uh Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.